Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. This is Eternal Dirtles! Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and by listeners like you. You can support Eternal Dirtles at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. And now, your hosts, Zach Clark, Nathan Golia, and Phil Blackman. And now, Eternal Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Golia and Phil Blackman. How's it going, guys? Greetings, everybody. It's dope. We are, well, one of us is live from Eternal Weekend. Uh, it is Sunday uh, at Eternal Weekend right now, and Nate, you're still there, right? Yeah, I'm uh, actually in a nice little area where I can, if I was sitting on the other side of this room, I could look down over the top eight, uh, the way this uh, convention center is set up. But yeah, um, they're playing the top eights out right now. That's awesome. So what what's in the top eight right now? That's actually a good question. I don't actually know <laughs> what's in the top eight, and we'll find out, you know, obviously people will know before we even release this from, what happened. From watching yeah. coverage, they is apparently like a bunch of blue decks, uh some shops and I guess some hard combo. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's the um that's the uh vintage vintage metagame. I didn't really get a handle on what was going on in Legacy. The only coverage I saw, I was eating breakfast this morning was Belcher versus Show and Tell. Whoa. So, yeah. Um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm interested in looking at I think uh, Brendan Hagen, who is playing the top eight right now, is plays Elves usually. So we'll see if I was right about that in about six hours. But by then, it's on tape. So what can you do? Yep. Um, but boy, you know, I really got to say, I, as far as I know, this was a well-attended event, at least compared to previous years. Definitely like on pace. Um, it, was, it was very nice, very, you know, sort of, low key but with a lot of energy like low key in terms of like you know people are just having a good time chatting and hanging out lots of uh lots of old cards being slung all over pittsburgh i was at uh i was at a brewery last night and some dudes were playing old school at the table behind us which was pretty cool you know um but really just a, just a lot of fun so a lot of people from all over the place a lot of people who uh said they've heard the podcast and uh you know got some good feedback and I really appreciate that, and unfortunately, I didn't do very well in the actual main event. But uh, I still had a I still had a really great time, and it's it's like it's fun to be uh, still here and, and talking about it a little bit. You yeah, also fought awesome. the, the the spiciest of spice, though. One thing to note for um, its uh, attendance versus its popularity, though, uh, on Twitch it only hovered around like between one and two thousand viewers all weekend. 
Well, that's the thing with the eternal formats is that you just kind of this is different even than an SCG or even like a Magic Grand Prix where they're drafting off, you know, the existing audiences for those platforms. You know, Card Titan, this is the only thing they ever stream as far as I know. So unfortunately, they don't have a lot of, uh, you know, they don't have a lot to draw on. A lot of people who would be watching it are here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, um, that's that's sort of the thing I talk to people a lot about, you know, people who aren't Magic players, especially not Legacy Magic players, will talk to me about my the podcast, and they'll be like, oh, you know, you, you, how many people do you get, you know, what kind of marketing can you do for it to, like, you know, get sponsors and stuff, and I'm like, well, unfortunately, like, that's really not how it works with Magic, like, you know, we, we are such a niche of a niche uh, podcast that, like, you know, it's similar similar thing, like these these events, you know, it's just like such a a percentage of a percent of of uh, people who play magic play vintage and legacy so it's not something that you can really like uh market very well you know the thing is and the thing is like this event is so different than like a legacy grand prix or a legacy star city mm-hmm. just in terms of like what you can expect to see the kind of the players who are here what they're bringing i mean there was a whole vintage event a whole old school event as well um so there was definitely just like a lot of people who are like these. I, I like the way this deck looks, or this is my my pet deck for twenty years, and I'm bringing it to play, or at least play inside events. I mean, it's really, really, uh, you know, really cool to just really see how much you know of a person's personality comes out in their deck choice, or you know, choice of of cards they put in their deck at an event like this versus a Star City or a Grand Prix, where the gameplay is still great, but like. You know, you're getting a lot of people who are just, you know, I'm, I want to play this event, so I'm borrowing a deck and I've copied the list or whatever. And it's, you know, but, um, you know, you see some like real beat up old power or even old duels and stuff like that. Uh, people, some really people cool who are alters. playing with them on, on like sidewalks unsleeved as like kids. Right, right, right. Just, <laughs> you just really get that. You really get that feeling. So it's really it's really great. Um Let's, let's get, want to get some specifics from the tournament. Yeah. So let's start with your story, how how things went for you. Well, as I don't remember if I mentioned last week, I ended up deciding to play four color loam. I felt the deck was pretty well positioned. I played four leagues. Um, the thing about the, the deck is that it's very tight. There's not a lot. You basically have to take the deck that most everyone's playing. Uh, there's there's maybe, boy, three or four flex slots across the 75 just because of all the various considerations you have. You need, you need a lot of lands for Mox Diamond. You need a lot of forests and plains for Knight of the Reliquary. Um, you need, you know, certain amounts of sources. You need to answer certain things that have very narrow answers. So you're playing like four ley lines, which just takes up a big chunk of your sideboard. So um, is this a is this a, a punishing deck or not a punishing deck? There is a punish. There is punishing okay. fire. This deck, okay. yes. And uh, you know, I took it through some leagues and it was pretty good. I um, I uh, was over 500 over a few leagues. I was four and zero and twice. Of course, my five zero curse is never seems to be broken. <laughs> <laughs> um. I played it in a trial here, and uh, it was, um, you know, it, it performed okay. I think I went, like, one-and-one against Grixis and then lost a game to uh, some combo deck that I had no chance against just because I lost a die roll and they won. I forget which one it was, but... Um, I mean, that's going to happen for combo yeah, against, that's gonna happen, when you're playing right? this deck, yeah. Right. Um, I want to shout out uh, Brian and Gordon from Utah, who I spent a lot of time with uh, here. Gordon procured a tabernacle for me to borrow for the deck. 
Um, and Brian is one of is our sponsor, runs our uh, sponsoring company, Paragon City Games. And, you know, he's been we've been practicing a lot. He's been really helpful and great. And uh, Sean O'Brien from uh, Team Tusk in Atlanta lent me some Queen Marquesas because I could not find one <laughs> in the entire state. could not find one in the entire state of Utah. And uh, he listens to the podcast and reached out to me. So I really appreciated that. That's and it, awesome. was, it was really fun to, uh, it's what, you know, really what's great is like you see people from all over the place, like you get to hear about everyone's uh, little local scene and what people are playing there. You just got a really window into the breadth of legacy that we don't always get when you're playing online. Yeah. So I borrowed those cards and I put the deck together and on the, I, I finally decided like I really want to play him to Torok uh, in the deck. So I cut a flex slot that, um, is usually like a, an extra main board creature, you know, like a ramen up excavator or something, put a him. And I just put the 61st card in as the, the him, the second him. Oh, wow. Um, well, I mean, the deck's got 27 lands in it. Um, plus the mox diamonds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't like that worried about like thinning out my deck too much. And like him is just, it's always a two for one. So it kind of makes up for it. <laughs> um, if you hit it, mm-hmm. um, then my board, I had uh, Marquez on the board. I had, um, Four ley lines, a couple thalias, sorts of plowshares, just your basic uh, sideboard. I had a, a centaur vine crasher though, um, which is a commander card. It's three and a green for a one-one with trample, but it comes into play with an amount of plus one plus one counters equal to all the lands and all the graveyards. And I wanted to play that card. Oh, and also, if it's in your graveyard, you can play pay green green when a land goes to the graveyard to bring it back to your hand and recast it. And the reason I wanted to play it was because I really needed a threat that I could loam into, like dredge into, that would be good against Grixis. Um, it's not good against Miracles because Swords of Plowshares just gets it out of the out of the game forever. But against Grixis, like they're not removing stuff from the game, and they're probably not going to surgical your one of Centaur Vine Crasher. But eventually, and this happened in one of the trials, it's like an 11-11, and it closes the game out real fast. Yeah. Um, you can you can get over a Baleful Strix and buy it back pretty easily. So, uh, yeah. I really wanted to play that because I felt Grixis would be pretty well represented because I played against it twice in the trial. Um, so I was I was I was okay with the deck choice um, like we had talked about the past couple weeks. You know, I wasn't like super enamored with a lot of decks going on, but I, I was excited to play it. And I sat down for my first round and I won the die roll. And my opening hand was Wasteland and three other lands with a Mox Diamond, a Chalice, and a Loam. And I was like, well, it doesn't get any better than this. And I thought I, I went from such a, <laughs> a high to a crashing, crashing low. So I started out with a chalice on one. It resolves. My opponent plays a plateau. I waste the plateau, loan back both the lands. He plays an ancient tomb into a smuggler's copter. I wasteland the ancient tomb. He plays, I draw a card. It's not a rough decay or something, which turned out to matter. He plays another ancient tomb, a painter's servant. Long story short, I took about... 36 off uh, smugglers copters over the course of two games and could not beat the card smugglers copter. Um, I either uh, had, cause it was painter. So painters a deck and they have blood moon, a lot of stuff to watch out for plus an instant win. Um, and I didn't really get my abrupt decays sequence, right? <laughs> so yeah, I got, I got smugglers coptered right out of the first round. Um, that wasn't the, the really bad though. I was like, okay, well that happens. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, a player from Texas, uh, Mike, he was playing four color loam. He also lost to the exact same painter deck in the first round because of smugglers copter. So now we're both like, huh, maybe we should find a way to beat a flying creature <laughs> because it, you're, you're, it's like a Delver. You're just taking three a turn and they're looting through their hand. And even if you have a chalice, they just discard their like 
red elemental blasts and yeah. rhinestones and just keep all the other stuff that is good like so yeah not to mention uh, uh, you can't hit it with punishing fire which is a real problem can't hit it with punishing fire right exactly and i couldn't dredge to pun- to punishing fire to try and double punishing fire it because i like i really needed the abrupt decay i was like yeah. one of my abrupt decays or assassin's trophies i did kill one but he played another and, you know whatever yeah but three a turn is a, is, a, is a substantial clock so keep that in mind yep for all you yeah. deck builders out there that's why delver is good um round two though uh i was i played i got paid, played uh, paired against uh sneak and show which is a really bad matchup and i somehow won the first game i want to say i I want to say the him mattered. Like I was able to get a him going and that was like a consideration, get him into the deck. Yeah, of course. And then Thalia and like, he kind of got choked on, on mana a little bit or not Thalia. Um, Gattic took him off sneak and, or sneak attack. And, um, I don't know. I just, I kind of managed to get to the end of the game without, without losing. So, uh, that was pretty amazing. Then in game two, um, it was kind of the same way. I was really, I was, shocked but i was i was heading i was cruising right towards a win and um i took myself down to four with my sylvan library against you know an empty board because i wanted to set up untapped caracas gaddick teague and thalia and i'm and i had a dark confidant in play and i was like well he can't hit me for four and then you know, I have one four in my deck. So guess what happened? He passes back. He thinks he's going to lose. I flip the Marquesa to Bob and die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's one card out of 150 cards in this. Well, maybe it was one card of 120 cards that matters in that moment in the, in the entire uh, game. And that was the one that happened. Yep. If it was the next card down, I would have won because it had haste. So my opponent, who was you know, very gracious, almost to the point where I was like, boy, like, I know he's like thinking like, if I'm a salty dude, it's about to get real because it was super brutal. Look, I went from like, he went from, I went from like a 2-0 win to a 1-2 loss. I ended up just losing the next game because show and tell such a hard matchup. Yeah. So I kind of stood up, looked around the room, looked at the clock and I was like, yeah, this ain't it chief. And, uh, <laughs> just dropped it 0-2. So that was my story. Yeah, I remember because you sent us a text message that was like, uh, a guy sitting near me in my hour of devastation did say he recognized my voice and that we are his favorite Eternal podcast, which we were like, cool. And he's like, and he can corroborate from watching my game that that God is in fact God dead. God is in fact dead. <laughs> and, and only aimless drifting through the cosmos awaits us as we are broken down by bacteria over the course of 90 years of life. I was yeah. like, oh, something happened. That, yeah, flipping a Marquesa when you're at four seems bad. Not only that, but it's like it was it was a crazy swing. Now look, I'm I'm hamming it up for comedic effect, but like you know, it's 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 just such a swing. Like I was like gonna two zero against a tough matchup, which I thought was gonna make up for the fact that I just got smugglers captured into oblivion. Yeah, I'm like okay, we're gonna be one and one. We're going on to the next round, and then just dead. And then you know, game three. Actually, I game three. I had him down to three, and he drew the show and tell off the top. So, um. Unfortunately, that's just how it went. But if only Gaddick T hit threes. But, but if you know, only. that's just <laughs> if only. Um, but uh, you know, that's how it goes. I uh, I cut out there and went back to my hotel room 
to just kind of collect myself and I built another deck that we can talk about a little bit, but unless uh, Phil or you has any questions about aggro loam or the main event, that's as far as I got two rounds. Yeah. Didn't well, even make it to noon. Let's, let's skip over real quick and talk about uh, the, the vintage event real fast. Cause we do have a top eight from that. Yeah. Um, and so, so just, just to, because there's a lot going on here. And I think, I think one of those things uh, calls back to our podcast last week, but the, the um, top eight looked like uh, Mentor, uh, Paradoxal Outcome, the deck, basically. Uh, Pyromancer Control, Ravager Shops, followed by uh, Paradoxal Outcome again, Landstill, Vengeful Survival, uh, Ravager Shops, and then Grixis Thieves. Yeah. Notion Thief deck, uh, which is pretty amazing because that's all we were talking about last last week. Dude, yeah. that was so high on Notion Thief too. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's amazing. Four, it's a four of Notion Thief deck that's playing uh, one Snapcaster Mage, one Goblin Crater Maker, and a Blightsteel Colossus as dudes. But man, th- this must have just been a gas to play the entire weekend, just like blowing people out time and time and again with uh with, uh, with Notion Thief. Thief. Oh my god, that, that's Cosmo Quack. Correct? Yeah. Is that yeah? Yep. Uh, uh, Cosmo's a great guy, actually. Uh, I I played him. Uh, he he was one of the guys that uh, I split with. Back when I tried uh, push proof rug uh, at that Grand Prix uh, New Jersey like two or three years ago. Yeah, um, I wasn't. I don't want to say I was surprised at a survival deck. I was surprised at how many of them I saw. There was like 400 players in the vintage event. It was a pretty big and very mm-hmm. well attended event. Um, Did the, you the see one a lot of I them? Went, I saw like two or three. Yeah. The, the deck I thought was really uh, interesting was this Pyromancer deck that made the top eight. This is the Rug Pyromancer deck, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Um, so that was a really... I don't know who developed it or how it came about, but I saw um, Eric Virgo, our friend of the podcast, and uh, some of his friends playing the matchup between it and Workshops. Uh, I sat down and watched a few games, and Eric was playing Shops and just got blown out in every post-board game with all the nature's claims and Dak, Dak and yeah and and uh ancient grudge so it was really cool to see like uh, it was but it was really fair the deck is 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 by vintage standards extremely fair <laughs> it's basically yeah. just red blue with this little splash of green and you know it's it's a it's the reaction to po it's a deck with both major artifact destruction and pyroblast so i'm not quite sure what its weak spots would be i imagine that survival deck is not really great though it does have four nature's claims yeah, you can get rid of you can get rid of survival that way. That's for sure. Um, yeah, th- and the leyline of the voids in here too. Like, I mean, this deck this deck kind of answers all all of the questions that uh, you know that this format's asking. You know, uh, you're playing main deck ancient grudge. You're playing main deck pyroblast. You know, uh, you're you know you're getting incidental uh, value out of them just on the pyro- pyromancer. But then you've got three snapcaster mage. Um, you know, force of will. You're playing all the broken one ofs that you can that you yep. can play. You know, um, I, I I appreciate the heck out of this deck. It's there's a lot there's a lot going on here, and it's it, it makes it uh, it just uh, you know, it, it's been a long time since I saw a, a deck like this that wasn't just like thrown together with with like you know, oh I'll just play five moxes. You know, like this is this is uh strategically built. I feel like. Yeah. So. Good on, uh, I don't know who was playing it at the top eight. This is eight. Sperling. Sperling's deck, yeah. Yep. And that's why I was so surprised to, to hear that uh, Rich on Workshops beat him. Um, but I guess Rich had a pretty busted draw. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I wouldn't know because I, I, I wasn't there to see, but uh, I mean, fun. you can easily get some busted draws in, in Ravager shops, that's for sure. Yeah, PO was extremely popular, um, just from what I saw walking around. Yeah. Brian uh, from Paragon was playing uh, two card Monty. I think he finished five and four or six and three or something like that, so he had a pretty nice record. Uh, Cyrus was had a win in for top eight with Dark Petition Storm. Uh, Sean, uh, who lent me the Marquesas, had a really nice run. And he was undefeated for quite a while with like a bug Leovold deck. But that was also very geared toward just blowing up artifacts. It's interesting how green is so um, good at that in Vintage. Yeah. Because of uh, because Nature's Claim is much more playable than in Legacy since Chalice is restricted. Um, and uh, uh, they have Ancient Grudge as well. So. so so let's skip back to, to Legacy real fast because that, that is finishing up now currently did cyrus make top eight cyrus did make top yeah because yeah, he's he's he's, he's ranked as number one uh at 31 points right now so that's amazing you know cyrus the kid the kid's just a wagon he just plowed right through both both formats i mean he was undefeated for quite a while at vintage so um, so the real the real philosophy here is just like you know dig in dig your heels in <coughs> grit down despise the format and and crush it <laughs> He's, he, he, he he was so – he just wanted to dark ritual people, and he did it both yeah. times, as far as I know. That's I amazing. Not playing the least. Yeah. Yeah, um, I watched him win a couple games. I really, I saw him get, take a real beating from Rich Shea in the big Swiss, though. That was pretty tough. I think every, every one of Cyrus's spells cost, like, five. Oh, God. But, uh, but um, yeah. But other than that, he had a really great, really great run. I was really happy to see that. Um, Eric, uh, you know, didn't do as great as he did last year, but still did better than me. So, <laughs> yeah, looks like Roland Chang just missed top 32 <coughs> at 33rd. Yeah, and our friend uh, from New York, Evan Husney, was ninth place on Breakers and Vintage. Oh, yeah. Um, with PO, and he was again undefeated for quite a while. So, it was really nice to see some people that, that we know do so well. In Legacy, um, what, do we have the top eight list? So I guess Cyrus uh, is on... Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a list. I just have a, a, a list of the people after uh, round 11 that were, uh, you know, ranked. So we've got Cyrus, uh, Brandon, uh, Devera, Matthew Dilks, John yep. Dermott, McDermott, uh, Christopher Walton, uh, Patrick Green, Brendan Hagan, Hagan, uh, and... Uh, Jake Weinman. So uh, I, I assume those are the people who went on to top eight, but we don't That's have the yet. Yeah, that was yeah the we don't have said. Brendan usually plays uh, Elves. Hagen usually plays Elves. Um, I don't know if he was playing at this time. Obviously, Cyrus is on Storm. So, um, yeah, the format was actually seemed a little bit more like broken up than I expected. I would say there's a lot of miracles and a lot of show and tell, though. Uh, that seemed to be very popular, especially in the side events. So I don't know if that means there were a lot of them and people sort of scrubbed out or not, but <coughs> excuse me, I should get some water. But um, yeah, I mean, that's really, it was a pretty standard legacy term. I don't think any, any decks really broke out. There was an Esper Miracles deck that Cyrus just uh, crushed on his way up the ladder. It's like his second to last round, I think. Um, but that's pretty cool. He, he beat a hand of like Double Force of Will, Buster Storm, and Kambal. <laughs> With Storm, so, hey, 
Yeah, I mean, Kamball will will get you there uh, a lot of times. It's it's surprising that he's able to get past that. Yeah, who knows how he did? I didn't I didn't get to watch it. Just saw it out of the corner of my eye, and then Eric came out and filled me in. But yeah, it was probably him who was playing the Kamball. Am I right? Right. <laughs> I mean, that helps. <laughs> um. So let's talk you, about the deck that that uh, you you uh, switched into for side events. Let me tell you something, brother. You're here listening to this Eternal Dirtles podcast, but what you need to do is go over to Eternal Dirtles Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Eternal Dirtles, and show your support, brother. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I, I went back to my I went back to my room and I was just like, I wanna I wanna keep playing. Like I was expecting to play more, but I really did not feel like playing another round with Loam in the main event at that point. <laughs> um you know, maybe ordinarily I would have stuck it out for a couple more rounds just for the hell of it, but boy, I just was after taking a, a beating like that and also losing round one the way I did, it's just like I can't do this right now. <laughs> I need to look at some different cards. So I looked at what I had, and I ended up on this sort of blue-black, dark depths deck. Um, that's basically all the good blue and black cards, all the cantrips, force of will, a lot of discard. I was very high on him this weekend, so I played three hymns. Um, so that's the spell suite. is just like Brainstorm, Ponder, Force, and then like Thoughtseize, Inquisition, Him. Um, and then I decided to play four Expedition Maps, four Vampire Hex Mage, uh, and then some Dark Depths combo cards. Um, I played four Baleful Strix and a Tomb Stalker, and then I played two of a card called Grim Discovery from Zendikar, which I had thrown in my box. What happened was that I was bringing four-color Loam and Black-Red Reanimator for sure to the event. And when I did that, I realized that I basically had all the cards for Turbo Depths, so I just grabbed the rest of the cards from my collection to play Turbo Depths if I wanted to play that. Um, and then at the very last minute, I was like, I should bring like Blue-Black Death Shadow just in case I feel like I need to play Blue. You know, after the trials or whatever. You know, I feel like the, the format's just so saturated with, with combo. So I had all that's those are the cards I had with me. I had all my loan cards and all of my reanimator cards and all of my shadow cards. Um and then the dark depths just sort of bridged the gap. And so I just kinda took all of them, put, assembled what I had. Grim Discovery I had pulled out of my collection because I couldn't believe people hadn't been playing it. So it's a one in a black for a sorcery from Zendikar. It's choose one or both. And it's a return target creature from your graveyard to your hand or target land. And I was like, well, it just gets back Hex Mage and Depths once they deal with it. And people will deal with it because yeah. they're expecting it. And that's it's basically a two for one. For two, which is really nice. Um, so I threw that in the deck too. So um, that's what I rolled into a side event with. And I immediately went three and oh. Yeah. <laughs> After that, that felt really nice, you know. Yeah, of I course. Beat, beat the blue black show and tell uh, variant. I beat mud, and then I beat the blue red show and tell variant. Um, so I played against two combo decks in one, and then you know a prison deck. So I didn't really play like a fair on fair matchup if, to the extent that my deck is fair at all. But you know, it was uh, I felt the deck went really well, and I was was like throwing my hands up like I should get really steamed the night before the tournament next time and just build whatever random deck comes into my head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that seems like what happens when we do our we we do our best is like we tend to look and see what didn't work, 
reassess our deck choices and then go out and like you know with the most relevant you know like uh current information we have you build a deck you know that's i mean that's yeah. why i was able to do so well with infect when i switched up because it just seemed like it was the right choice at the time you know um i think i think that pans out like the same thing with the push deck like or the the push proof deck is like you you know you look around you see why you're losing and you just respond to that yeah i mean no it was just uh it was pretty funny i thought that i you know was so down and then like like rocketed back up it felt great so i i um I kept it going. I made a couple little edits. I had a true name in the sideboard that I took out and played like some bitter blossoms instead. Um, then I had another side event and played against miracles. This was Joe Brennan, who's a very good player. Oh yeah. I did win game one, and I was like, "This is gonna be awesome." Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna just six and zero, and then uh, I lost the next two games because you know he's a good player and was able yeah. to navigate. Big but shout out Joe, to Joe to Joe Brennan, who who was afraid of misdirections. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is great because uh, he um, he was playing miracles. You'll love this. You'll love this, Phil. He had abeyance and then snap abeyanced me. Oh, tell <laughs> me what that does. So abeyance is one in a white. This is from Weatherlight. Uh, until it's either until end of turn or until your next turn. Um, target player cannot play instants, interrupts, sorceries, or abilities requiring an activation cost. Um, Basically, so like you can just attack and play land. You play creatures, too. Yeah. Uh, or enchantments or whatever. And then it draws a card. And what he told me was like, okay, so you set up your, your miracle. You play this. If it resolves, it's an uncounterable miracle. Or you just like wait till they do something that's going to kill you and then respond to the second to last thing with abeyance. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you imagine like just watching your opponent like go full on for a storm kill and if that doesn't come out of your hand you know they duress you or whatever and you're just like okay well i'm gonna cast abeyance in response to your duress and they're just like whoa yeah <laughs> yep 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 so um yeah it's probably the best card to cast in response to dark ritual basically just a counter spell for the dark ritual that draws you a card um so he abandoned me so i couldn't uh thought seize him and then he snapped he, has, he was gonna snap abeyance me i had to counter the snapcaster mage which means I didn't have the force of will for my uh, for the Swords of Plowshares or whatever happened to my uh, token. Um, but either way, uh, that was cool. I lost him. Then I won against an, another Show and Tell player. So I played against Show and Tell three times in six rounds. And then I won against another Miracles player that wasn't, um, you know, as strong a player. But, uh, you know, but so five and one and uh, over two rounds with Blue Black Depths, which we'll post in the show notes. I gotta get, I'll send you a text list, Zach. Yeah, transcribe it from the picture. But overall, I, I mean, I, I was, I felt the deck did good. You know, be interested to see how it goes in some, uh, in some more fair matchups. Yeah, I think that. But, I mean, I, I think Grim Discovery is, uh, is, is a real, a just pretty amazing card for for what it does as a two for one. The other thing that I was able to do was with the four expedition maps, uh, I was able to play a lot of utility lands. So I played a Creeping Tar Pit and a Wasteland in my main deck. Um, just the one wasteland, um, but you know that's basically in case I play against a Maze of Ith or a Caracas or something, right? Sure. Just get that. Um, and also in the sideboard, I was able to play my own Caracas and a Bojuka Bog, so I can always uh, use um, uh, Expedition Map as a kind of tutor. I'm only playing two Thespian stages. Um, I think it's more of a Vampire Hex Mage to fill yeah. your depths thing, but um, 
because it's just way more efficient, especially if you're trying to like hold up counter spells. Oh, but the the one thing I think I learned the most is that when you can force a will someone's interaction with your merit lage, that's really good. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, like I, I must have beat the <laughs> miracles player by so I, I definitely countered a swords of plowshares on uh on my merit lage, like and that was the end of the game. Um and uh, with the mud players say, hey, we can cast a sorceress spyglass to try and turn off my whatever hex mage or whatever I had. I just countered that. It's like, oh yeah, you're playing blue. People did not expect the force of will. So, um, so yeah, just definitely nice to have. Yeah. Um. So you were just before this, you were playing a little bit of pre-modern. Yes. Um. We've been really trying to uh, build up the pre-modern. Unfortunately, I didn't think of it until about two weeks before the tournament that we should organize something, so we didn't get anything organized. Um, but a gentleman named Matt from northern Wyoming, and we got it. That's why I say I love the commitment of people to like come a long, a long way to play at Eternal Weekend, right, with yeah. these awesome decks. We just played, uh, we played a match um, with my black-green Natural Order deck versus his Wildfire deck. Ooh. So... That was really awesome. Pre-modern, uh, just a quick primer. It's it's fourth edition to Scourge, uh, so it's an old school type format. Um, there's a ban list that you can find at premodernmagic.com. Um, Martin Berlin, who's a Swedish player, is really leading the charge on that. There's also two other permutations of the sort of same time period um, that you might have heard about if you watched some of the uh, coverage this weekend. Randy Bueller was talking about middle school, which is from Eternal Central, um, which is in the U.S., and they have a, it's pretty much the same card pool. So I think they allow Portal, and okay. they have a different ban list. Okay. Um, there's also another uh, hyper extended, which is in the Southeast United States, which is only only black bordered cards from that time period. So everything's legal except fourth, fifth, and sixth editions. Okay. Um. And like I think the starter, the ones with the star, I think those are white bordered too. Um, and Chronicles is then also not legal. So, uh, so there's a lot of people who are putting together various permutations on this time period of you know sort of the late early Magic era, you yeah. know, um, because obviously old school is great, but it's really just that's a power format, and you know not everyone has power. But yeah, it's also not yeah not particularly cheap to play anymore. That was one of the main reasons to get into old school initially. Is it like you know you could get these unlimited cards relatively cheap, and yeah. you know some most events were like proxied and stuff, so you could get in relatively cheap. And now that's not becoming a thing. They're they're switching how you know the branding has changed basically. Yeah. and and I think that uh you know pre modern uh right now get into pre modern it's nice and cheap you know what like $200 for like a tier 1 deck which you know as as a legacy vintage player you know that's not so bad um and uh and you get to play those those old cool interactions that like aren't relevant in any any current format like i'm playing a cadaverous gloom deck in uh yeah. in, in in uh my pre modern deck um and i haven't been able to do that since since mirage you know like since visions yeah so I, I really appreciate uh, being able to del- delve back into those older, you know, the the, the true nostalgia for me uh, of this game is is that era of Magic. So uh, I, I really like doing that. And I think eventually, relatively soon, we're, we'll try and do a uh, full episode on pre-modern. We, we've gotten a couple emails about that, and I'd like to really deep dive into pre-modern one week when uh, the legacy... Uh, the legacy and vintage news is, is relatively slow. We can we can really get into a, 
a whole discussion about pre-modern, what to play, and what's good. Yeah, um, we could also, now I have to, like, study these other permutations of the format, too, because I only learned about them in the past week or so. Yeah. Um, Randy was talking on coverage, and I was watching coverage while I was eating breakfast today, so what I saw, he was talking about playing, like, Illusions Donate and stuff, which is a deck in pre-modern, too. Tricks! Um, the old Tricks yeah, deck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, but, I mean, that, you know, again, like, that's what great thing about Eternal Weekend is that people come with these, with these obscure formats and these old cards and you can find games um get to your point about old school just on a quick aside the, the vendors I, I got i had to laugh because like you know i'm so you go walk around the, the vendors and it's all it was all old cards all old school cards very much because of like this is the biggest gathering for old school which has like a good couple year lead on pre-modern anyway and there's a lot of old school tournaments going on here and so people are buying old school cards but uh, just to get a handle on on what it costs, get it's old school. A beta Land of War Elves is like a hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that today. <laughs> like, yep, that's probably not happening anytime soon. But I'll, I'll love I love to watch the games at least. Yeah, the decks are also gorgeous. Those old cards, different the different saturations on the colors and everything in the older printing process was great. So anyway, we played pre modern. I played black green natural order. My opponent uh, Matt played uh, mono red wildfire. In the first game. He was able to temporal aperture into a wildfire that wiped my entire board. Um, temporal aperture is a mind's desire on a stick. Yes. <laughs> it's like, uh, what, it, two mana and five to activate? Two mana and five to activate, yeah. Um, you shuffle your library and build a top card. You hit the wildfire, and that was the end of the game. That'll do it. In the second game, I managed to natural order for a verdant force. He did find a wildfire, but he didn't find a follow-up bolt to kill the Verdant Force, so I just won with that. But the third game was the real was the real treat, where I uh, was able to um, set up a Cabal Therapy uh, chain with my Deranged Hermits, um, and also attack for a ton with my Recurring Nightmare, Cabal Therapy, Deranged Hermit. You know, like he's an empty hand. I've got eight squirrels in play. It was really, it was really nice. special. <laughs> Deranged so Hermit. Was, um, the matchup, though, I mean, if we had played, you know, another match, I, it felt very even. You know, it's basically like a, a race to see if I can get something in play that he can't uh, remove with Wildfire, or if I can find a way to interact with his board of artifacts. I mean, I've got Pernicious Deed and Naturalize and stuff like that, but. Um, you know, the, the format is really fun, those old interactions. I don't even know if, uh, I doubt that Recurring Nightmare and Cabal Therapy were ever legal at the same standard. I don't know if anyone ever thought of it in uh, Extended. No, they were not legal and standard together ever. But uh, I think uh, Recurring been, Nightmare been, had, had probably already, like, been, uh, like, not not banned, but, like, it, it, people had figured out better things to do um, in in the the format than than like cabal therapy and and recurring nightmare because they were looking at interactions that were like uh you know based in just that that style so that that's the funny thing when you go to these older formats is that like you don't realize some of the the combos that you could have been doing just based on like how we play magic now versus how people played magic back then oh yeah i'm on like a continuous uh i'm on like a continuous mission to break lion's eye diamond and yeah. like it's a legal card like <laughs> i think there's there's, a, there's some you know, tendrils of agony isn't legal see that's the thing they the ban lists are also different 
which yeah. I think is really. I'm sure Will is gone, right? I'm I'm positive Will is gone. Actually, <laughs> yeah, Will is gone, but Bargain you can't is use Yagmas Will. You can't use Yagmas Morgan. I have a one of in my Natural Order deck because oh. I have the I have Diabolic Intent in addition to. Well, the thing is that like like you said, it's how we think about building decks now, mm-hmm. and you know Diabolic Intent is a great card if you have extra creatures, and I've got like Birds of Paradise, Wall of Blossoms, and then like Call of the Herd, which makes two creatures for one card. So you can always have something to sacrifice to get something bigger, you know? Yeah. Um, but really, Deranged Permits to start of the show, Burden Force, all that kind of stuff. I have an Autumn Willow in there just because I love having a Homelands card in my deck. <laughs> and it's really hard for, like, that's to stand the, still. That's the next the next format where you actually have to have, like, one card from every set in your deck. Right. Autumn Willow is still pretty... <laughs> it's, it's very strong against, like, the, you know, control decks of the format that are oh, leaving yeah. on Swords to Plowshares. You know, just having an uncounterable 4-4. Four, 4-4 four, four. Four for 6 mana? Yeah, 4-4 four, four for 6. But you can, you know, natural order for it and stuff, so... You can uh, counter it, though, right? You can counter it. That yeah, doesn't, yeah. I don't think there's uncounterable stuff. There, Scragnoth was the first creature to have that ability. Yeah. Yeah, but... Definitely, yeah, definitely had a lot of fun playing some pre-modern. Um... But yeah, that's that's Turtle Weekend in a nutshell from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, you guys have I, any other... uh, no, no, I, th- I think you covered it pretty well. I mean, I think you know, in the next in the next week or two, we'll try and get uh, we'll try and talk to Cyrus and uh, and Eric and see if they want to you know follow up follow up their feelings uh, you know f- see how they feel about the format now that they're, they've done so well. Yeah, Brian and Gordon uh, from Utah were actually playing in a Team Trios event that was old school, vintage and legacy. I was going to be their legacy player, but I have to go to the airport before the tournament ends, unfortunately. Oh, that's um, so they split up, but I would, I'd love to maybe we'll get Brian on to talk about that. Yeah. Um, just wanted to shout out a few other people who uh, said hi. Uh, the guy the guy who was sitting next to me at the table when I dark confidanted myself into the Stone Age was, uh, was named Joe. Uh, he had nice things to say, so thank you. I uh, met Frankie. Uh, who is out of our, I think our most recent Patreon from Arizona, um, uh, Stu, uh, Zarnik, and uh, a bunch of people from Texas. Uh, hung out with them a lot this weekend since so I'm moving to Texas at the end of the school year. Um, and they have a really strong and, and fun scene going on in Austin area as well. So great. Uh, just, you know, a lot of cool people. It was, was great to meet so many people this weekend. Awesome. Uh, Sorry, yeah. I'm losing my voice since then. No, I've no, you've been... been... On... Been on the road since Monday. Yeah, it's, it's getting kind of edgy here at the end. <laughs> those event, the, these events, you're talking a lot. You're walking around, uh, just you know, and also they're just a a place to get sick at too. There's so many people <laughs> around. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, Phil, do you have anything to add? Uh, I actually don't. <clears throat> Excuse my voice too. Uh, yeah, Phil just woke I, up. I we woke like, up this podcast. I, I was just a check-in spectator on Eternal Weekend throughout the week. Um. Although it's kind of cool to hear about the uh, like the non-sanctioned formats, like uh, old school and all that, that yeah. getting to see some play. I haven't gotten into those yet, but I also I uh, agree that if you're playing that format, you should be following the aesthetic. Uh, yeah. That's the whole point of the format, right? Is that yeah. you, know, you should be playing the cards as they were. Yeah, I gotta I gotta upgrade some stuff. I'd do that now because I'm gonna head to the airport. But I'm, yeah, I gotta. I'm at the tail it's like, end. We're uh, making it more expensive to make it more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm I know, a, it's, it's, it feels that you know it, it's it's trying to turn back time. Yeah. 
pre-modern is not that bad. Uh, most of the cards are, you know, cards that are out there because they were so popular and standard and just have been outclassed in Legacy. Um, and there's some of the things that haven't gotten a reprint too, like uh, you know, survival. Abeyance is another thing. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and those and those aren't even the most powerful things you can do in that format, honestly. Um, it's just that those cards are expensive because they're expensive. Um, so you can easily find ways around spending like six hundred dollars on one of these decks, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and and still being able to find find some pretty solid decks, like you know, you can go white weenie, you can go the old uh, the original jank deck that was like uh, the uh, Boros uh, deck that basically had like lightning bolts and uh, Sultari guys and then Imper- imperial armor, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I mean, like in my case, I just have to. I have like some tenth edition Birds of Paradise. I just got to find like fourth edition. Yeah, you got to get it all the way the in swap, there. Make a swap, you know. Yeah. <laughs> is is uh, there any format that uh, anyone that someone might be able to play Dig Through Time in? Asking for a friend. <laughs> vintage. <laughs> vintage. <laughs> I saw a few of Dig Through Time get cast in Vintage. Just, um, um, yeah, I mean, uh, just, you know. To speak to the uh, nostalgia bug one last time, I'm just about finished my um, old bordered cube, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I've been working on that for like a couple of weeks since I I did a cube uh, cube weekend with some friends, and we were we're all real old Magic players, so I was like, why don't I just make an old cube? So now I've got like a cube that has like you know a five color sliver strategy, and then like you know uh, each each uh, color has its own OG creature type, like goblins. Soldiers and knights, uh, zombies, merfolk, and uh, whatever color I'm missing here. Uh, green is elves, uh, and and then like each of the two color pairs has has like its own old school like, uh, uh, you know like theme too. So I'm pretty excited to to almost have that done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the old border. It's 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 so hard to explain what it <laughs> what yeah. it feels like. I think a lot of people listen to this podcast will understand that. When you see a deck of all old border cards, you know, it was, it was funny when I was playing Reanimator in some testing sessions. I did play it in the trial here. Um, I was like, this deck is awesome because it's almost all old border cards. Other than Grizzlebrand, <laughs> like, other than the creatures, like, everything else is old border. Dark Ritual and Tomb, Exhum, uh, Reanimate. That Animate new world order power creep, you know, you gotta, you gotta play your new creatures. Yeah, like, Faithless Looting, <laughs> I guess, is a new border card, too, but, like, we get a hand of all old border cards, plus your dual lands and stuff. Like your dual lands are old bordered, and it just looks so sweet. Yeah. You know, this is old time magic. Different color outer borders too, which is something that kids kids today won't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's it for us this week, right? Yeah. Next week we can go more into what actually happened during the tournament with people that actually played well, unlike me, and we'll get some guests on and coast into the end of the year here. It's gonna. Yeah, I'll be, uh, well, I think you'll probably hear from me again before this, but then I'm going on my my first anniversary slash honeymoon over next weekend. So uh, I'll be in the middle of that when when the next podcast drops. Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. Yep. All right, well, it's been a blast. I'll talk to you guys later, and thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, guys. Have a good weekend, buddy.
where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternaldirtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.